0: Happy Friday, everyone. On today's show, we are going to talk about a few signings around the NHL and then look at the national broadcast schedule and talk about what we'd like to see from the networks this upcoming season. All that and more on today's Locked On NHL.
1: Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National
0: Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Friday edition of Locked On NHL. I am Rachel Donner from Locked On Flyers. I'm on Twitter at R Miriam. I'm here as always on Fridays with Gil Martin of Locked On Islanders. You can find him on Twitter at Ice Wars, NYR, Gil, how are we doing this week?
1: We are hanging in. Uh a little bit of a rough week for me. I am dealing with a case of COVID, but uh oh. getting getting through it as best I can and uh glad to be here with you for another great Friday show.
0: Well, hockey's around the corner, so hopefully that spurs you back to health as quickly as possible. Thanks for making Locked on NHL your first listen every day. We're free and available on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Plus, you can watch us over on YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. So the signings keep coming, Gil. You know, we keep thinking that is this offseason technically over yet? It is not. Uh, we did have a bit of a blockbuster contract this week from the Ottawa Senators where they signed Tim Stutzla to an eight-year 66.8 contract extension. And, you know... I loved Tim Stutzela. It was one of my favorite players on team Germany when he was in the world juniors. Uh, I think that he's a great young player. He had a really banger of a season last year, uh, finished second on the team with 58 points in 79 games. And uh, I, I think the Ottawa Senators are really, you know, trying to take not just a small step forward this year, but a big one.
1: Well, yeah, they've had a very active off season and added a lot of parts, uh, many of which you are familiar with. And, uh, you know, right now, locking up uh, a young player like this who is so talented, third overall pick back in 2020, just sort of emerging it's a little bit of a gamble because he hasn't really established himself for more than one season as sort of a, a top flight NHL player. But they are ahead of the curve. It includes uh, a partial no movement clause or no trade clause uh, for the final four years of the deal. And, you know, you're taking one of the centerpieces of your roster that you're hoping to build around and, and pretty much guaranteeing that you're going to build around him.
0: Yeah, and he does still have one year left on his original contract. So, this $8.35 million cap hit is going to kick in starting not this upcoming season, but the following year. So, you know, they're going to have to start worrying about the cap part of it uh, next summer, which is, I think, good. It gives them some runway in terms of trying to figure out what that means for the rest of the roster. But, yeah, you know, picking up Claude Giroux, trading for Alex Debrinket. Uh, they got Cam Talbot as well. And I, they really are starting to try and put together a, a solid team that can make a run. And I do think Tim Stutzla is going to be, you know, a huge part of that. So, again, another uh, fun move from the Ottawa Senators. They're definitely going to be one of the teams I'm going to be watching a little bit more closely this upcoming season. Not just because of Claude Giroux, but I, I think they're a fun Young team, and uh, I'm looking forward to to seeing how this season progresses for them. Uh, We had a couple more signings as well. The Montreal Canadiens signed uh, Kirby Doc to a 13.45 million dollar contract extension. That's a four year deal, and I think I think that's a pretty good deal for him. The price is, you know, maybe a little bit high, but In the NHL, you do overpay sometimes, but I think, you know, he's a really solid player that is going to help Montreal in this rebuild.
1: Yeah, I I think that, you know, they they made a very big deal to acquire him this offseason, and now you you lock him up and and make sure that he's going to be sort of one of the players you're building with. Now, unlike Ottawa, I think Montreal is taking more of a – long-term approach to things, but uh, mm-hmm. c- certainly Kirby Doc is going to be uh, one of the important pieces of that long-term puzzle.
0: I think so too. And, uh, you know, s- another piece of the puzzle is Caden Primo, who is a goaltender, uh $2.67 million three-year contract you know, with everything going on with Carey Price and his likely retirement, you know, it's a little bit of a question where Montreal is going to go for the long term in in the goaltending tandem. And this seems to indicate that Primo is at least one of the major options here for them and will continue to be a part of the organization.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've got realistically, if Price is not going to play this season, they've got three goaltending candidates out there and uh primo certainly at, at the very least you know you got to figure he's the top ahl goalie but i get the feeling he'll see a significant time at the nhl level over the course of the season
0: i think so too and especially to me this is kind of a gimme year for montreal where they can sort of mess around a little bit and see what sticks and give players an opportunity to shine or make a case for themselves without I think huge expectations for the team overall so uh, I look forward to seeing what they can do just experimentation wise I I think that you know with Martin St. Louis around there as well I think you know he'll try and get creative with this team that he has and um, it'll be a lot of fun seeing what Montreal is, is up to this year.
1: It will. I mean, the one concern you have, obviously, Montreal, you know, we mentioned they're, they're in a long-term kind of a rebuild. Uh, a young goalie, Primo, 23 years old, you don't want to see his confidence dashed if he sent out game after game in front of a team that's giving up a lot of quality scoring chances and turning the puck over more often than you'd like. So that's sort of a, a, a in the back of your mind, as you're trying to rebuild the team, not to destroy your goaltenders confidence uh, in the process, but it's also a golden opportunity for a guy like Primo to show he is ready for the the NHL and ready for a bigger role in the organization.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, One more piece of news before we talk about the national broadcast schedule, the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame, not the main Hockey Hall of Fame, but the United States Hockey Hall of Fame announced their class for 2022. And there's some really good names in there. We have uh, goalie Ryan Miller first off, which is well-deserved. I I think that he contributed greatly to USA Hockey uh, as a young player. He was also in the 2010 Olympics as well and, uh, you know, had a really extensive NHL career. As we all know, uh, he retired last year. I personally am most excited for the Lamoureux twins, uh, Jocelyn and Monique are going in together. There's no other way to do it, man. It's just like with the Sedins in in the hockey hall of fame.
1: Inseparable. Yeah.
0: Inseparable, but yet unique. You know, they each have their own style of play and uh, both of them contributed greatly to the U S winning the gold medal in the 2018 Olympics. Uh, I will certainly will never forget uh, when Lamaru Davidson who is, uh, that's Jocelyn, um, scoring that shootout winner. I think that was probably one of the more memorable moments for me for for their career. But again, both of them have contributed to USA women's hockey over the years in such a profound way that this is super well-deserved. Also interesting, we got the... Um, goalie from the Paralympic sled hockey team, Steve Cash, who's a legend in the sport. I almost can't remember a sled hockey team for team USA without him in that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Just played a, such a major role in that. I mean, a three time gold medal winner, uh, at the Paralympics, uh, games and, and just again, very deserving admission into the U S hockey hall of fame, big part of that, uh, you know, sled hockey tradition now that the U.S. is putting together.
0: Absolutely. Uh, one more uh, nominee to the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame, Jim Johansson, who uh, was a an executive for USA Hockey. Um, and uh, so congratulations to the entire class and their families. Uh, Up next, we are going to start talking about the NHL National Broadcast schedule and and some highlights there. But first, BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. They've got everything you need leading up to this year's college football and pro football season's. They've got everything you could possibly want from the latest league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts. And it's your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends (laughs) in action. That online where the game starts. Gil, we got a lot of information from TNT and ESPN on the NHL national broadcast schedule. And uh, it's kind of hard to look at it cohesively because it's the two different networks and they each have their own systems going into it but uh you know as it it was espn has the bigger amount of national games relative to tnt espn has about a little over 100 games tnt 62 games and i think that you know there's a a couple things going on here Uh, tnt's got their wednesday double headers um but then they'll add in the Black Friday doubleheader, and then toward the end of the season, they'll get Sunday games in, in March and April, plus they're the network carrying the Winter Classic. Um, ESPN, on the other hand, they actually, you know, despite some complaints about some of the exclusive ESPN plus Hulu <coughs> games, I think that uh, they're doing less of them this year that more of them will be available to everybody out there who's subscribed to ESPN, obviously, but they're, they're kicking off the season, October 11th with a doubleheader of lightning Rangers and then Vegas versus LA.
1: Yeah, that, that's a great way to get the season started. And, uh, You know, you you just love that opening season doubleheader where you go from having no hockey or no hockey that counts to, you know, back to back games, nationally televised, plus whatever your local team might be doing. And then, of course, you also have uh, a big game for your team coming up early in the schedule where the Flyers are hosting the Devils, and that's John Tortorella's head coaching debut in Philadelphia Uh, you got to be looking forward to that one.
0: Well, that's interesting because this is one of the games that is exclusive to ESPN Plus and Hulu. So we're not going to see that on a true national audience. It'll be just for the subscribers to the streaming service. So I think that is an interesting choice. I know there's some Flyers fans who are upset about having our home opener not available Uh, with the local broadcast and, and all of that. So I don't know. It's, it's an interesting question. Um, Also that night is Dallas stars at Nashville predators.
1: Yeah. And that, that's a good sort of, you know, Western conference rivalry kind of a game. And I, I, yeah, I, I, it's so good to just read down the schedule and see these games and, realize they're not that far away. We're talking about five weeks to, you know, starting all of all of this back up again. And I am psyched. I really, really am.
0: I am, too. And, you know, I think that one of the big questions out there from a TV perspective, you know, amongst all of it is the Arizona Coyotes and then playing at Arizona State and what that's going to look like on TV And uh, they're going to let us know on October 28th, which is Mm -hmm. the uh, first national broadcast where the Winnipeg Jets will be visiting Arizona, which I think is appropriate (laughs) having the, the former Arizona team um, or yes, the former Winnipeg team in Arizona facing the new Winnipeg team. So uh, that should be a lot of fun. I think that, uh, one of the kind of main issues in the schedule for me is the New Year's problem where the Winter Classic, I think, should be a, its own day. And, but they've added additional games to that day recently, and I do not like that at all. And so where you have, you know, and you want one network to kind of own that day. And TNT owns the Winter Classic, but then there's an ESPN game as well around then, so I don't know. It's a it's definitely you know a, a question mark for me from a national schedule perspective.
1: Yeah, you, you do want to sort of spotlight that one game and and make it as big an event as you can by setting it apart. I've always been in favor of that. I love the fact that the Winter Classic sort of became sort of appointment uh, sports television for hockey, which didn't always have sort of one day on the schedule. You know, Christmas Day uh, has always been the NBA's, Thanksgiving is always the NFL's. And then you had New Year's Day with, uh, you know, the Winter Classic. So the fact that uh, they're not giving it that exclusivity, Is a little bit disappointing, Mm -hmm. but uh, hopefully they will uh, learn from that and adjust to it and and down the road maybe return to that, uh, having it be the only game on the schedule and certainly the only game on national TV.
0: Yeah, I I absolutely think it should play out that way. Uh, ESPN also has the rights to the All-Star Games, so they are going to be showing that on abc and the skills competition is on espn and i understand why they're doing it like that but it really should be reversed i mean the star of the show is the skills competition right
1: (laughs) the skills competition is probably more entertaining i'll say that Mm -hmm. much so yeah Uh, again i always take all-star games in all four of the major sports with a large grain of salt um going way back to the 70s and 80s when it was very difficult to see out of town games except one a week which was nationally televised that made all-star games really exciting because you wouldn't even get to see all those players on the ice regularly let alone at the same time but now when the between streaming services and packages and uh, all the different games that are on national television yeah, I, I, I agree with you. It should be reversed because the skills competition is the more exciting event. And let's face it, the all-star game is entertaining in its own right, but it's not hockey.
0: It is not. That is true. Uh, looking at the schedule of national TV games in the U.S., you know, in terms of who. Has the most and who has the least. A uh, very interesting, the Minnesota Wild have the most national TV games this upcoming season with 15.
1: Yeah, that's uh, a little bit of a surprise. You know, they have such a big following within the state, state of hockey, you know, Minnesota. Uh, but you would think, I'd I, I never really envisioned the Wild as sort of a team with a big national following necessarily. Uh, Mm -hmm. but we'll see, we'll see how that holds up ratings wise. And I I know, you know, there's a lot of different factors that go into determining which games end up on, uh, the national TV schedule, but the wild are a good team. It's not like you're, you're having a team that nobody expects to make the playoffs as the most, but I, I would have bet it would be Washington or Pittsburgh if I were, uh, you know,
0: a betting man, because they're always on TV. It feels like. That is true. Um, you know, it, it is kind of reading the tea leaves with the number of national uh, games in terms of what you think they are are going to do each season, right? So, yeah, the Pens also have fifteen. Now that I'm looking at it, okay, but so not that far uh, which, off. <laughs> not that far off. It makes a, a lot of sense, but. Uh, Looking, you know, the Bruins, Blues, Avs, Tampa, those are your kind of teams that have like 14 national TV games. Uh, Not far behind the Stars and Caps are the kind of team that have 13. Although the Chicago Blackhawks also have 13, but they always get a ton of national TV games. But uh, the Seattle Kraken have 10 in their second season. So that's like not too shabby. Shows enthusiasm. I only have eleven,
1: so Mm -hmm. not awful either.
0: Sabers have twelve, which I think is a a jump for them. Uh, My Flyers have nine, which is pretty low relative. But again, you know how good is the team going to be? Maybe it's deserving of only nine national TV games. Uh, Arizona has uh, four—one on TNT and, and three on ESPN
1: yeah no surprise there I mean they're in the midst of a rebuild uh, that may take a while to say the least. Uh, I'm curious to see how that the you know, mullet arena that seats less than 5,000 fans is gonna look on national TV but uh I am looking forward to you know seeing how that plays out. Uh, should be some really interesting camera angles I would think.
0: Definitely. Well, we're going to talk about the broadcast itself and what we'd like to see coming up next. Okay, Gil. So I I think that both of these networks did okay for their first go at it, at least for ESPN, the first go at it in a while. So they were a little rusty and they were trying some new things. TNT was, you know, good covering hockey for the first time. And I think, you know, there was a couple of things going on last season that were maybe not the best. And I'd like to see them improve. So in terms of the actual games starting themselves, the way that they didn't align well. So it made it very difficult to kind of follow difficult, multiple games at a time.
1: Yeah. That, and that is frustrating as a, as a fan of the league and, you know, for you and I who have to, pay attention to the entire league and 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 sort of keep track with everything it it does get frustrating when games overlap or or just can't be seen at the same
0: time yeah i think the other big issue for me was and this was especially so on tnt i think where it's just the panels were too big and it was just like a bunch of people trying to get in their little zingers and their little bits that they were trying to do, which I understand you have to do f- from a certain perspective to try and be entertaining. But I just think, you know, fewer, smarter people is the way to go. And I, I love Wayne Gretzky, legendary hockey player, did not bring anything to the broadcast for me. Uh,
1: other than the name. Yeah, no. I mm-hmm. mean, the the, the, the uh, Gretzky is a, is a good guy. I've met him a couple of times and, and sat with him. In, sure. In- press boxes at different points uh, over the years. But uh, as a broadcaster, he is average, I would say. But he doesn't really tend to bring as much insight and analysis as I would like to see. Uh, He's got the name. He's got the marquee presence. But I, I need to see a little bit more from him in that respect. And I just don't think it's his personality, for lack of a better way to put it.
0: Yeah. On the flip side, I would like to see more Charles Barkley talking about <laughs> hockey.
1: And I give Barkley credit. You know, that's not his wheelhouse, obviously. Uh, he does not have the background in hockey that he has in basketball, for sure. But he's he's game and he's enthusiastic and, and uh, you know, asking questions. Think, yeah. But but having that outsider's. Perspective, I think, adds something, especially for the more casual or new fan, because the questions that he's going to ask are the questions that a lot of people are going to ask. And I think that's a good thing.
0: I agree. On the ESPN side, I think (laughs) that they, I, I loved Emily Kaplan. I thought she did a tremendous job, you know, between the benches and doing interviews, you know, during periods and between periods. Um, But other than that, I didn't feel like they brought anything new or exciting to the table that it just seemed to be, even though it may be some new people, that was more of a retread of what ESPN has kind of always done. And I would like to see them kind of do more creative things this year.
1: Well, maybe, you know, they got their feet wet again uh, coming back into hockey. Maybe they feel now that they've established something and they have a little more freedom to to go from the base and, and, and branch out a little bit. I'm hoping that, you know, now everyone's got their roles down and and they can start growing from there.
0: Yeah. I, I hope that is the case as well. The other thing too is, is for the national broadcasters that do the play by play and color commentary. I would really like to see them have more of a local focus and I understand that's what the local broadcasts are for generally, but sometimes the, the things they mentioned are just kind of newsy tidbits that anybody could know. And it's not really, you know, digging in and finding out, you know, the stories behind the scenes to add a little flavor to it. It just feels like there's this massive disconnect between the broadcasters and what's you know, really going on with these teams as opposed to the generally understood narrative uh, of the two teams at hand.
1: and, And you would think, you know, the broadcasters, yeah, they've got to do their traveling if they're national broadcasters, but they have access to the morning skate. They get to speak to the players hours before the game. Go dig up a story. There's a million of them. You got, you know, 36 to 40 players total between the two teams going out there every game there's gotta be a story behind the scenes that you can certainly develop or a little tidbit that the average fan, even the average fan of the two teams involved isn't up on that you can, you know, speak to the players after the morning skate and really develop and give a little insight that maybe a local broadcast may not be willing to do.
0: Exactly. And and that's where I think Emily Kaplan really shown, right? Like, she was able to do that some of the time, but while the kind of game was going on, you know, with the play-by-play and the color, it just needed more of that, in my opinion.
1: Well, let, let's hope they they find a way to do that. And again, hopefully year two will be better than year one and you, you sort of build on what you started to do. Uh, but, you know... Uh, that That's got to be the hope as far as uh, as this year is concerned. And I'm just happy that that the NHL has a bigger national footprint than it did two years ago because uh, you know the the league certainly could use the exposure
0: absolutely and uh, I think that's a good note to end it on for the week Uh, thank you so much for listening Gil of course we'll be back on Monday with his show checking in on NHL teams with the locked on hosts from around the league we'll both be back next Friday to recap the week that was and you know look at the bigger picture issues around the league we'll be heading into rookie camps right about then so uh, we'll have some actual hockey games to talk about i think uh thanks again for listening i am rachel you can find me on twitter at our miriam gills on twitter at ice wars nyr vs nyi have a great weekend